Round chicka wow wow. I know my mm. sex is so great. I yeah. know my mm. sex is so great. I yeah. know my mm. sex is so great that this woman's gonna kill some shit for me. I'm gonna reincarnate myself. <laughs> and then I can get rid of her, and then I can go after my niece because my sex is so great. From Rosemary's Baby and Reggie McNeil to Jason, Freddy, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Anne Conley. Hey, guys. And Helen Stewart. Hello. Oh, (laughs) I got that guy. Oh, snap. For new listeners, this will be our format for this episode. Uh, First, I'm going to introduce the movie that we'll be reviewing and rating tonight. Next, Anne is going to take us through our recommended drink pairing. And then we're going to run through our expectations going into the watch or rewatch, depending on if we've seen the movie before. Uh, Next, we're going to play the trailer. And then we'll go through the review in roughly chronological order. After that, Helen is going to take us through our kill, chill, and thrill section. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with our ratings. So tonight, we are going to review the 1987 British horror film, Hellraiser, written and directed by Clive Barker and produced by Christopher Figg, based on Barker's novella, The Hellbound Heart. The film marked Barker's directorial debut. The film involves the resurrection of Frank, who had opened a door to an alternate dimension and had his body torn to pieces by creatures known as Cenobites. Later, Frank's brother Larry moves into their late mother's abandoned house with new wife Julia. An accident causes some of Larry's blood to spill on the attic floor, which triggers Frank's resurrection. To complete his resurrection, he requires more blood, which Julia provides, while Kirsty Cotton, Larry's daughter, discovers Frank's puzzle box, which leads her to meet with the Cenobites. Hellraiser was filmed in late 1986. Barker originally wanted the electronic music group Coil to perform music for the film, but on insistence from the producers, the film was rescored by Christopher Young. Some of Coil's themes were reworked by Young into the final score. Hellraiser had its first public showing at Prince Charles Cinema on 10 September 1987. Since its release, the film has divided critics, but generally received praise. Initial reviews ranged from Melody Maker calling it the greatest horror film made in Britain, to Roger Ebert decrying its bankruptcy of imagination. It was followed by nine sequels, the first seven of which featured Doug Bradley reprising his role as lead Cenobite Pinhead. All right, so for tonight's drink pairing with Hellraiser, we are drinking Daddy's Little Girl Cocktail. Yes, that's right. The name of the cocktail is Daddy's Little Girl. So feel free to Google that one. And just to enhance your listening pleasure, we are actually going to be live sampling the cocktail during this segment, which also, guys, I thought of renaming. What do you think about Anne's Addictions? Do you think that would be funny? This could be like, I like it. call it Anne's Addictions with an alcohol's device type of thing. All right. So here we go for Anne's Addictions, bottom up. Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Yummy. That's um, p- pungent. It is. It's very strong. You definitely get the orange juice. So in case you guys were wondering what is in this drink, it is a mixture of cognac, galliano, triple sec, orange juice, light cream, all garnished in a cocktail class with an orange peel. Although Ray was our... 
bartender this evening, our mixologist, <laughs> if you if you will, and he whipped us up quite the delightful little mix, I would say. How are you feeling on the second taste there, Helen? It's it might be getting better. It's it's growing on you? Yes, I think. Um, well, when you smell it, you smell the cream, which made me think Bailey's. But when you taste it, there is no Bailey's. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it does not have that flavor at all. If we drink it a little bit more, it might start tasting like a creamsicle a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting a little of the orange. Yeah, a little I'm orange, a little cream. A little robitussin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, our voices will be nice and smooth. <laughs> All right, well, let's go into our expectations for this uh, watch or rewatch. Why don't we start with uh, you, Helen? What are your expectations for this? So I've never seen this before, so it was my first showing. I know I had seen some sort of clip of a pinhead movie on TV years and years ago, but it wasn't this one. So I was excited because this is the OG. Got to yep. start at the beginning. <laughs> yes. So I was pumped. <laughs> So my expectations going into this, I forgot that I had seen this, actually. And so I was like, oh, Hellraiser, it's a classic, you know, Pinhead, it's going to be awesome. Um, and then, Ray, I think you had mentioned there were like nine or ten sequels. And I was just like, dear baby Jesus, that's a lot of sequels. Um, I, I don't know sort of where that path takes them there forward. But as soon as the movie started, I was like, oh, I have seen this. Um, and so generally, I remembered liking it, like, not hating it, because that I would have remembered. So um, I definitely enjoyed the 80s vibe. And of course, we'll get into it a little bit more. But yeah, I was stoked to roll into one of the classics. This was my selection, along with the drink pairing, because we have decided we're going to, person who selects the movie is also going to select the drink. But I was hesitant to watch this movie again. I've seen it before, vaguely remembered it, and vaguely remember not liking it that much. But I do like the sequel, some of the sequels. So Helen has instituted <laughs> the iron rule that we are not allowed to start in the middle of a series. So I had to get through this movie to get to the <laughs> ones I wanted to get to later, which is like Hellraiser 3, 2, and 3. So I buckled down, said we're going to watch this one. And um, I, I was surprised, actually. Yeah. Having rewatching it with a more critical eye. My OCD doesn't allow me to just skip around. Evil Dead 2 still kills me inside a little bit. Okay. And why don't you roll the trailer? Okay, great. Here we go. And trailer time. Action. I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. Yeah. 
your soul apart. In Morocco, Frank Cotton buys a puzzle box from a dealer. In a bear attic, when Frank solves the puzzle, hook chains emerge and tear him apart. Later, the room is filled with swinging chains and covered with the remnants of his body. A black-robed figure picks up the box and returns it to its original state, restoring the room to normal. Sometime afterwards, Frank's brother Larry moves into the house to rebuild his strained relationship with his second wife, Julia, who had an affair with Frank shortly after their wedding. Larry's teenage daughter, Kirsty, has chosen not to live with them and moves into her own place. Larry cuts his hand, carrying a bed up the stairs, and lets his blood drip on the attic floor. The blood resurrects Frank as a skinless corpse who is soon found by Julia. Still obsessed with Frank, she agrees to harvest blood for him so that he can be fully restored and they can run away together. Julia begins picking up men in bars and bringing them back to the house, where she murders them. Frank consumes their blood, regenerating his body. Frank explains to Julia that he had exhausted all sensory experiences and sought out the puzzle box, with the promise that it would open a portal to a realm of new carnal pleasures. When solved, the Cenobites came to subject him to the extremes of sadomasochism. Okay, so when this movie opens up, you immediately have that production logo of the red globe, right? It's basically like the red version of the AT&T globe. Um, but for me, that was so 1980s. Immediately, you're just, again, transported back to almost like E.T. time. It was New World Pictures, I think is uh, what it was, right? Right, right, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool. You know, we get into the movie, and then all of a sudden I realized that I had seen it before. So I started picking up on the cues of the wife, Julia, right? And realized that before we knew that she had slept with the brother, that you could tell that she had slept with the brother. Also, when I was a kid, I don't think you really pick up on that kind of stuff. You're just like, I don't know, she just, she's like just a bitch. You know, <laughs> I, I got anyway. to be honest with you. I'm not a kid, and I and I thought that anyway. Well, well, she is anyways, but she has particular reactions and mannerisms in the beginning when they first get to the house, and when he mentions Frank's name, and she flinches and that type of stuff. That that sure. had more tells, which I will say, you know, acting wise, you know, that that those were pro probably some of her strongest acting scenes, other than like you know screaming and being in love with Frank. So. Yeah, the first thing I noticed about the movie was the music. I actually liked the score going into it. I, it was kind of like, um, I thought it was a mix of like Ghostbusters and Batman. I didn't understand, I think, the first time I saw this, that Frank was this, that he was after this sort of sensual sort of pleasure, this sensory overload type of thing. Like he was, he's a hedonist. I guess, in, in, in the book. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that came across as clearly in the movie here as, as I thought it could. Well, you get it through the tin of the Polaroids, right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, you get it when she's looking at the Polaroids and he's like fucking all these women, right? Right, right. Oh, also, we, we skipped over the first scene where he's in Morocco. Like, how Indiana Jones was that? Yeah, it definitely was. Right? I mean, they were sitting down in that, that market and I was like, is Indiana? Where, where's, the, where's the little monkey? Where, where's... <laughs> So, like, the first thing that I thought watching this was, why is this man, and you see it throughout, I'm going to say my unifying theme up front, he's always wet. <laughs> he's sweaty. He then gets rained on. Mm -hmm. And then he's this oozing, because recomposing wet, body. wet is sexy. Is it? Because, like, his voice was, like, bizarrely oh, oh, deep. Oh, so, here, so here's the thing about the voices. And I think this is my main issue with the movie. This movie, everyone was British. Like, they redubbed. It was supposed to be set in oh. Britain. 
it's a British horror movie. And then the the um, production company came out and said, or the producers came out and said, we want you to set it in America. And all of a sudden, it makes so much more sense No, it's when still, you know that. It, it, I mean, it makes more sense, but it still doesn't make any sense. And I wondered that, too, because that was the next thing I was going to say. First of all, you're like, oh, he's in Morocco. Okay, we didn't know that. We just knew he was somewhere in the desert. And then second of all, you're like, okay, I know that you're not in Brooklyn. That's all I know. And then it was like he said to her, we're back on your old stomping grounds. Yeah, your ground. stomping grounds. And she's like the and only British person. British. Yeah. No, right. there's, no, there's another person who mysteriously later in it has like a British accent. which is Oh, I'm it's like, the guy in the bar. She's picking up yes. British guys in bars. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're definitely in England. I was like, okay, they definitely went back over the pond, which makes more sense. And like, it's this weird house and you're kind of like going with it. And then later again, you're like, no, maybe they're not. Like, it was so weird. They said sort of no, you know, just anchored. It wasn't anchored in any specific location to me. It was weird. Yeah. So I did not I did notice that one of the movers, you could see the redubbing was off. Yeah, oh. I, thought, I thought the same thing with Frank, to be completely honest with you. I thought Frank's voice didn't necessarily match no. him as a person. Hmm. Um, and I thought that the boyfriend, there's a scene later in the movie where, I'm going to say the boyfriend, Kirstie's boyfriend and her are, Walking in, obviously the, the the subway tunnel or whatever, but before they make out, and she's <laughs> yeah. and she's talking to him about how polite he is, mm-hmm. and she's referencing him and Julia, and he does not have a British accent, but like it would have made sense if he did have a British accent that she's talking about them as like Brits, right? Like right. doing this because right. I don't think she or Larry are supposed to have British accents. I think they're both supposed to be like Americans. Okay, which is fair. I, I mean, I I definitely don't think she was affecting. A, well, British accent. Well, and I mean, the friends at the table and just sort of that scene felt very British. So then I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're totally in England. I thought like, the house was, looked British too, was, to be honest with you. Right. It was so weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, what would happen if they went back and redubbed it with a British accent? I don't know. I don't. I, I, I thought it would be <laughs> right? more – I didn't even know it was a British horror movie until I sort of read up on it. One thing I thought was interesting is Frank gets this box – and all of a sudden he's in this room and you don't know where it is. But then later on when Larry and Julia kind of go into the house, why is there one room that looks like, I don't know, there's a fire or something? Yeah. And like nobody comments no. on this room. And they all go into it willingly. I'd be like, I'm not going into there. Exactly. Why mm-hmm. would anybody even go in there? Right. And in America, you'd definitely be like, black mold. Yeah. Take that sucker up. Well, I mean, the whole house, you'd be like... Mold remediation. Oh, I know. It was crazy. Um, No. But, but, I mean, it was a different time. Right, it's 1986. But I will say... So if you hop away from the black mold, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I think there was less awareness. I mean, candidly. But I agree. I thought the same thing. But my impression was that the room became that way because of opening the box and doing the ritual in there and, like, them taking, taking him through. Because I was like... Why else would that room be like that? I don't know. I don't know, though, because I thought when he was first in it, even then it looked – you couldn't really see it was in shadows, but what he was on, the flooring he was on looked kind of crappy. But even so, you would think that Larry and Julia would be like, what the hell happened in this room? Like, right. what – was there a fire? Did Was Frank going crazy? Like, what was going on? I thought it was the room. So there's like a flashback that happens, I guess, a little bit later with Julia reminiscing her affair. And I thought that was the room and she's reimagining it. At that point, which wouldn't yes. have been that long ago. That was so weird. I totally agree. Because the way that she walked into the room and was reimagining in that room, it definitely made it seem like that was the room with the bed where they had had the affair. Because, but, I mean, unless she just walked in there to get to be alone. Yeah I, yeah, I assumed it was not only because she asks uh, Larry how long it's been since he's been to the house. And he's like, it's been 10 years. I mean, I, I think that 
they got married within that intervening time. I felt like that's what it was. And I didn't necessarily think that the front door that she lets Frank in was the same place as that house. I don't know. All I do know is they they decide to have sex like on her wedding dress. Yeah. Oh, which I'm like, I'm like, that's. Oh, man. I mean, I, yeah, big, big stars in my notes. Sex on the wedding dress? Seriously? Seriously? <laughs> yeah. that, that Let was me like, just lay out my pristine dress. Baby, I want you right here. Just lay on top of the bodily fluids and all. Let's just do it with your sweaty <laughs> self right on top of the wedding dress. Yeah. So what? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's like... <laughs> Damned be the wedding but, pictures. Well, I think the director's like, hmm, how do we make sure people know that she's getting married? Yes, even more Let's essential. put the wedding dress on the bed oh, while God. they're fucking... Yeah, yeah. I would totally yeah. say, hold on for a minute, buddy. Let me hang this up. Or at least or we throw can it on the floor. It yeah, push it off the bed. Something. Well, you have to pay for all the pressing. You don't want to have to like wrinkle it. I know, but better that than, than like, being yeah, stained. Yeah. Then yeah, then I was about to go really raunchy. But not but creases and other bodily fluids. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, yeah, no, 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 no. So wrong. So unnecessary. I felt like we had already seen a few mechanisms in the movie too that sort of cheapened it. And then they threw that one in there. I was like, oh, God, seriously? So did you guys get this sense that Frank was, I don't want to say raping her, but that he was, he had that, like, switchblade. And he was trying to get her to, like, she was kind of going her with it, right? She's in her underwear. And then he's like, with the switchblade. And I kind of felt like at that point, he was telling her, you're not going to say no. Mm-hmm. I would say... By today's Me Too standards and everything else, that was very controversial. That was very much, you know, borderline. I felt that that fit into the overarching theme of the pain versus pleasure. Right. Yeah, no, I right? would agree with that. Yeah. And it was like when it was going on, you're like, oh, I, I, I don't really know how, how I should process this. Like, this is kind of really hot, but it's really dangerous. Too. <laughs> right. I, it's, it's like, but it's like an and, '80s version of it because he was—I don't know—he didn't look like he should be carrying a switchblade. I'm just the whole thing was He's yeah. like a Fonz wannabe. Yeah, something. I mean, he was attractive to look at. The the dubbing voice thing killed me, but oh, now man. that I know it's dubbed, I'll give what, him some credit. Was he, he attractive go, to look at when he was when I he mean, was wet when he was dry <laughs> or wet? Or? I mean, I feel like maybe I don't know. There was one smolder. He I had smoldering stare when he's down. in the door. Definitely when he's in the door. Yeah. right. Really, yeah. that the, jaw and the whole an thing. Angle that the, I was like, out of all down. the guys there. Well, I, yeah, but he was the but he was the winner. Yeah, but it's slim pickings in the it movie. Was so but still. slim. But if you took him and put like a Mr. Darcy accent on him, oh mm. uh, yeah, blow I that. still think I still think the chin. He is can just be too wet much. and Mr. Darcy mm, any day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Have more daddy's little girl. Uh, yeah, exactly. You'll feel better about that exactly. one. Exactly. Um, but I, I will say one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was when they're trying to get the mattress up the stairs and she's having those flashbacks to this really like sexy ray is making a serious face because (laughs) just keep going it's daddy's little girl i know towards the end the the revenge oh no don't drink the end oh god okay now we know are we supposed to be taking a shot of this and not just drinking slowly that might be the problem did the cream settle (laughs) (laughs) i wish i had a stir bar okay Okay, so my favorite scene, I think the favorite scene in the whole movie is when they're trying to get that mattress up the stairs. And they've got the juxtaposition of the 
of the modern day, the dad trying to pull the mattress up the stairs and his hand creeping closer and closer to that jarring nail. Oh, God, and yeah. just the, the suspense that you're waiting for his uh, hand to hit this nail. And then, you know, his wife being sort of like raped slash madly made love to, you know, in her fantasy world. <laughs> it was so weird, right? But it, it was, was like so wrong, but like kind of in a, the right way. But like my brain just kept kind of going back and forth between this like oh my God, I don't know how to feel like this is like really kind of sexy and, you know, the tension is high there. And then you're going back to the nail and you're like, oh my God, don't do it. Don't. Oh, like, why wouldn't you check? Oh, like sexy time. And then back to the nail. <laughs> yes. It was like well, the climax of both having a climax, I guess. And then your nails by the, or oh the nail God. going through his hand. Well, and he's, and he's going, uh, 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 yes, pulling yes. the, pulling the mattress. I forgot about that part. And Frank's going, uh, uh, uh. And just like, <laughs> I thought so I thought it, I thought it was a well put together scene, you know. <laughs> Who got the oh, be- better end of that stick? Well, the well, I think Frank obviously did, but we're only talking about one stick here. No, and, the, and, and I mean it really makes sense because it's all about pleasure and pain, right? It, it and totally then does. and then him getting his hand hurt, oh, of course, leads directly yeah. to Frank being restored. <laughs> right, which which brings us to Frank being restored. Now, I, um, to move past the sexy time. Sorry, girls. I was blushing, so we can move on. Okay. <laughs> well, like I thought, I thought the effect was really good when, of course, when the arm first comes out or whatever of the spinal cord ever comes out of the um, boards out of the floor. That was kind of funny. Like it was kind of almost funny. But then you know, the two arms, and it's like pulling this whole like spinal column up out of the out of the goop that's on the floor. Like, I thought that was really well done. I really liked how it was, like, correlating with the cockroach issue. So, because I felt like when he came out of the floor, he looked very cockroach-like with the way the limbs came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I really enjoyed, as I wrote, gooey reincarnation. I just thought that all the effects there were very well done in a practical manner. Of course, you can see that they were doing a lot of reverse play of the oh, film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? A, a lot of that was reverse. A yeah. lot of it. Like 90% of it was mm-hmm. reverse. Like you could clearly tell even the skull and this and the spinal cord and everything had been like melted down. Yeah, all, the, like water, yeah, all the water all the water's going the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. But but still, I mean, for a practical effect, it definitely reminded me very much of what was it? Like Raiders of the Lost Ark with like mel- sure. the melting face. But yeah, yeah, the creepy long, like, I thought they were almost like spider, yeah, like yeah. arms coming out. And at first I was like, what the frick is this? And you're not thinking it's a human being. Not at all. Like, you're like, I don't even know if that's something living that's supposed to be coming out. I didn't even know what. And then, yeah, as you sort of see the spine come together and then connect with the brain, like, that was kind of goofy. So <laughs> the, the movie definitely had its laughable moments. Like, I was chuckling throughout the movie at, at points where i probably shouldn't have been chuckling i thought the funny part of all that is like the cutting back to the rats going what the fuck's going on the rat's <laughs> like i gotta get the fuck out of here like and then later on the rats are actually dead he's like nailed them up to the wall that's so, what you get for staring i know at i know me. i felt bad for the rats honestly out of so all I have these fun facts about the rats oh all right. oh yeah oh, great no rats were harmed in the making exactly of this? Oh, okay. so the british board of film classification ensured that no rats were harmed oh they had robotic rats and they had to prove it by bringing in the robotic rats. All of them? I think there was only three or something that they showed them. Oh, they just reused them over and over? So maybe they had living rats that did living rat things and then yeah. robotic rats for the nails on the wall. Yeah. That's fair. But one thing we didn't talk about was when Frank first goes in to have his little ceremony. Yeah. Because he's in this – I thought it was hilarious that he puts a box of candles like it's a square. 
Oh, like, yeah. Usually you see like, you know, a circle <laughs> or a pentagram or something. Right. But here we have just this box, I guess, mm-hmm. to replicate the Pandora's. Is it really called Pandora's box? Or it's is not it just Pandora's box. box no. oh, okay. I always thought it was Pandora's box, but. Not this box. Not this box. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few boxes going on in this movie. <laughs> so many boxes. <laughs> box mattress, box for Julia. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but then. You know, he figures out how to open the box and he's sweaty at this point, which is where I recognize that throughout the whole movie, he's wet. And um, all that that candle heat. (laughs) So then all of a sudden he gets ripped apart with these hooks things once he figures out how to open it. And then I think we see Pinhead. Yeah, then for then the first it, time. Yeah, well, Did then we see it, all of the Cenobites? Yes, because then it changes and it's like almost later on. And you see, like, all the chains hanging in the room and all the body parts kind of all over the place. Right. And, that, and that wooden, like, um, yeah. centerpiece big thing that's hanging that, there. Like, turns. Turns. Yeah. And then you see the Cenobites kind of come in to, I don't know, Pinhead, like, puts his face back together yeah, just to I show you. Yeah, that was neat. The face puzzle. Although the, although the eyes made no sense whatsoever because no. they wouldn't be cut like <laughs> I that. Don't, but yeah, that's I don't, yeah. I don't understand that at all. That's all right. But I thought that was a really cool scene where, like, why did you put the face together? Yeah, it didn't talk or anything. I expected it to say something right. or do yeah. something. Yeah, I remember being much more impressed with that when I saw this back in like the 90s or something. You're like, oh my God. I mean, of course, I was younger and probably had no idea what was going on at all that that was supposed to be Frank. And even looking at the face, I was like, is that supposed to be Frank? <laughs> well, 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 look, we'll just go look he wasn't wet. So, well, he was wet. No, he, he was, was wet. Yeah, that's he was probably just massively distributed throughout the room. Yeah. That was the only distinguishing feature. He was yeah. damp. Although I did, I did, I did think the Cenobites, the Cenobites, damp like Frank. the Cenobites' makeup was good. Yeah. Right. I mean, all of them looked really good. I mean, the chatter guy and and the lady, whatever was going on with her throat. Yeah, her tracheal like, I mean, exposure. It was sort of. Yeah. Oh, um, she's a woman. Yeah, I had oh. I looked that up and saw that sort of female anatomy ish looking thing going on yeah. in her or neck vocal region. cords. Sure. Female yeah. Go anatomy with that. and her. I'm just saying Local the way region? it was cut and opened up and as we learned, oh you thought it looked like a vajayjay yeah that's <laughs> or a hoo ha whatever yeah. whatever you call yeah, it yeah we'll by. go with that yeah okay uh, right as we learned in the void the vocal cords are found on the side of your that's neck. true that's true well that's why it didn't <laughs> so, say it wasn't it wasn't vocal cords yeah so I don't know why she so never clearly. spoke yeah mm, right does she, mm, not she did no at the she end. did I think oh, she did she no which is why I still thought it was a he quite honestly no it was yeah. a, it was a lady. But I definitely thought all the makeup was really well done. And what I enjoyed was throughout the movie, like you didn't see all of them and all their anatomy right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. In different shots throughout the movie, you saw a little bit more revealed. And like all the way through the movie, you were still kind of learning what the deal was with these characters and where they were sort of mutilated and, and you know, why. Yeah. yeah, I thought that the whole concept of the Cenobites being like extreme sadomasochists, I don't know that they did a good job. Well, I shouldn't say did a good job, but... Like, they didn't connect to me this sort of, like, sexual pleasure or just carnal pleasure to, like, this extreme sadomasochism. It was just, like, they show up and they're, like, gonna, you know, these chains come out and just rip you apart. Right, And, like, for them, I guess it makes sense because they're, like, at the extreme end of this where pain is pleasure type of Mm -hmm. idea. But it would have been nice if there was some sort of – I don't know. So I can imagine a more sexy Cenobite that starts with sort of extreme sex that you can – understand yeah and then moves into something that's obviously pain like we just totally skip that which i guess makes sense if they're like all the way on the edge but it comes across as being much more sort of generic torture horror torture than it is related to to, to sex and even like the the fat uh cenobite like is he supposed to be like gluttony like eating is pleasurable so he ate himself like to an extreme 
and they obviously never do anything with him. I don't know, maybe they do in the later sequels. I don't Ew, know. He's the grossest. I don't even want to talk about him. Yeah. But <laughs> but I totally agree with the idea of the sexy Cenobite because Frank says they showed me pleasure. They showed me pain. Like he specifies that it sounds like they started more with the pleasure and then moved into pain. At least that's the way that I interpreted it. A sexy Cenobite or at least, again, starting with more of the pleasures and then moving into pain would have been way more interesting for sure. And to your point, would have left this feeling a lot less like the torture porn, like a hostile, like, let's just butcher people and rip them up, you know, for, you know, you know, just for fun type of thing. Um, it would have brought a more interesting vibe, too, because like I was saying, I thought one of the best scenes in, in the beginning of the movie was the juxtaposition of like the sexy time and, you know, hand mutilation. So they definitely missed out on that. I think that'd be a great opportunity. All right, let's hit real quick on Julia picking up these guys in bars, because I think we can talk about that, and then we'll move on to the next section. Can we talk about the fashion? Yeah, let's talk about the fashion here, because that's when you see her really flaunting her stuff. I, I like, love the fashion. I oh, mean, God. I know. <laughs> that lingerie, you had your eye on it? I um, I might I may or may not have something similar upstairs. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh... No, I mean, I just thought for like quintessential 80s businesswoman, you know, it's almost like she's got the shoulder pads, she's got the glasses, she's got the do. I liked her eye makeup. I like the coordination of the outfits with the eye makeup. I mean, I know we want to talk about, you know, sexy hot mama being like eye candy for all these people and whether she is or is not. But before we get there, I just want to say fashion, I was liking it. I thought it was on point. It was the only good fashion in the movie. Minus, you know, because we had like dad and dad jeans and right. everything else was bad. All right, Helen. Yes. You disliked the armor in Dracula because uh-huh. it looked too much like muscles. Are you going to defend this fashion here that so she's doing? I literally have OMG her hair. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> hair you. was the worst part. Well, and it got taller as the movie went on, <laughs> I felt it. like. Yeah, she uh, was buying more Aquanet as we went along, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I, I think it got more extreme. Like, you could see, like, else it was slicked all she, the yeah, way she was back. And she was, yeah, it was, yeah. like, much more, yeah. It's probably intentional, though. Well, I think it was just the blood that she got in for killing those guys. She was just putting in her hair. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was hilarious when she first enters the house as she's smoking the cigarette and then just throws it on the floor and stomps on it and leaves the butt there. Mm-hmm. I was like, who does this? Yeah. yeah. Was, their whole relationship was interesting at the beginning, not to get sidetracked off of her and picking up the men, but I felt like at the very beginning, he is – they're both antagonistic towards each other. But then as soon as you kind of get into the section where she's having her fantasies about Frank and her and their affair – I feel like Larry then all of a sudden becomes much more um, sympathetic. Like he starts to treat her with more tenderness than she's treating him to kind of give you, I think, that that separation. So you want to say, well, she's not a very good person, but he's kind of better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah, I didn't understand the whole marriage. You're like, where would that come from and why would they marry one another? Why? Right. Well, I I think you're with Kirsty, right? She's like – you love her, right? So there must be something worth loving. Evil. I got I got nothing but... Evil stepmother vibes all the way. Oh, right? definitely. Oh, That's certainly, so yeah. Oh, oh. And it's his second marriage. Yeah. So you're yeah. like, you're clearly marrying her for the Aquanet. But here's... <laughs> yeah, but here's the interesting thing about that. She, Although she gets these guys and takes them to the house and ki- to kill them, she really stands against Frank killing Larry up until the last moment. And, and even Kirsty, like, she isn't trying to get either of them killed. In the movie, which is yeah. something you would think if she really were a cold-hearted bitch and she just didn't like Kirsty, that she would do. It, their relationships are, are more complex and or just not explored 
um, in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I generally felt like, you know, even though Julia was obsessed with Frank and just was sort of like bowled over, I mean, where her obsession began with him was really from the fact that he seduced her, right? And basically, like, bowled her over and, like, put this power over her, essentially. So the fact that she became so sexually attracted to him that it's sort of like everyday reason fell aside. That doesn't mean that she doesn't have any feelings for her husband, Larry, which I appreciated. To me, it made perfect sense that she was like, don't kill him, don't kill him, don't kill him. Like, you know, it's not that she doesn't love him on some level, but she's just so obsessed with Frank and the possibility of him coming back and this idea of an illicit relationship and that they can run off with one another, even though he's like some mutilated, you know, bag of bones and half muscle, you know, walking zombie, gooey, gooey zombie. I, I just felt like, to me, that that was believable. And that, of course, that she and Kirsty wouldn't have much of a relationship and that she, I don't know, I didn't feel like she necessarily cared that much whether she lived or died, except that she was young and she was kind of an innocent. And it's kind of like, I'd rather seduce random people and just waste them. Yeah, sure. And and she goes out and gets these guys at bars and brings them back. And then like she hammers them like with a hammer, right? Mm-hmm. And kills them. I mean, she's even doing that like dirty work. Like Frank won't even kill the damn people. But you know what I mean? you notice how it – like, so what really struck me with this was that she's got this hammer that looks very new on these two nails. Mm-hmm. So she's got a hammer place, and the hammer is always clean when she goes for the next kill. Yeah, the hammer's clean every yeah. time. So she obviously, like, polishes it. <laughs> um, or, or Frank's sucking it that yeah. hammer dry. Yeah, that's what like, I think. He's taking, yeah, he's taking all the blood off of it. That's what I think. Well, apparently the guy who takes his pants off, right, and you see his underwear, uh-huh. like, apparently there was a nude version of that filmed. And Ooh. they decided to go with the non-nude yes. version. Lame, lame, I, well, lame. I heard that it was so raunchy that they were like, if you want this to be in the theaters, you need to tone it down. What? That's what I had seen the yeah. same thing, yeah. yeah. That's so lame. We need to go back and redo this. Bring that back in. Bring back the British accent. That might lead to our sexy Cenobite, maybe. Mm. Like, you know, maybe we would see more of the sexy part of that before mutilation. Mm-hmm. Listen, mm-hmm. if I made the movie, there'd be a lot of sexy Cenobite going we had, on. We had no boobs, just... <laughs> Listen, yeah. although honestly, like just I hooks. didn't, I honestly didn't need to see anybody's boobs in this movie. Just, okay. <laughs> just meat, meat hooks going. Oh on. no, you did see a boob. I'm sorry, you did. You saw Julia's boob. You saw a very quick nip. I saw a quick nip. I missed the nip. I, I, <laughs> I, I did not miss the, the nip. Where was the nip? Where was the it nip? was? Do, you know, during your like, oh, the the nail in the hand and it doing it, the nail in the hand. Oh, there's nip new in the hand oh. and doing it. And that's where it was in the fantasy. Yeah, right on top of the right after they get on top of the uh, wedding dress, I think. Mm. Oh yeah, maybe he cuts her. Speaking of of boobs, how did you like the whole like after he absorbs the first guy and he's like, "Hey, come over here, I want to touch you," grabs her boob, and you're like, "Get your slimy whatever protoplasmic hands off me." Protoplasmic hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then later is it's not in that scene. It's a later scene, right, where he grabs like the back of her white shirt. And oh yeah! Doesn't leave a smudge, even though he's so wet. Even though he's so gooey, yeah, yeah everywhere. And, and else. I would, I would have thought the makeup alone would have left something. Me too. Like, I'm shocked. Just from purely pretty. Right. Well, ooh, and then she like takes and she like licks his fingers, and he's all like, oh, whatever. You're like really? Mm, like all, all that was nasty. Moist. All that was nasty. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean the one scene uh, that really stands out for the moistness is when he's like, <laughs> it's like backlit, and he's like crouched down, and there's this goop that comes off his knee, and uh, like yeah. whatever. I don't know. Oh, God. So much goop. I did enjoy the, I guess, before he's completely 
reincarnated or recomposed is what I kept saying, um, was the – he's like a torso and he comes kind of crawling after and he goes, don't look at me. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I love that part. Well, don't was, look at me. Well, it's, a to- it's a totally different actor, right? It's like some little dude like oh, – I don't know. Is it? It's like crawling on his hands and arms. Oh, you know I what I mean? Know. I don't actor. think it was even like the same guy. Ray picks up on all the stuff and we're like, oh, what's nah, it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was even the same actor as Frank. I don't think it was the same actor who played – dead frank as live frank i, I was, don't think i was thinking it wasn't as it doesn't well. seem like it It didn't quite seem like the facial structure was the same right. oh but also just to say that makeup was phenomenal no, it was. Yes, no. holy cow yeah. like the different layers of it and i mean you know they're just putting it on top of somebody's face which made it that much more amazing and that's why to your point ray i was like oh frank was a little thick like not fat but just he had a big face he had a big jaws they had a horse jaw yeah i don't know what he looks like apparently the makeup um would have just been too bulky i think on his face kirsty spies julia bringing a man to the house she follows her to the attic where she interrupts frank's latest feeding frank attacks her but kirsty throws the puzzle box out the window creating a distraction and allowing her to escape kirsty retrieves the box and flees but collapses shortly thereafter Awakening in a hospital, Kirsty solves the box, summoning the Cenobites and a monster called the Engineer, which Kirsty narrowly escapes. The Cenobites' leader, Pinhead, explains that although they have been perceived as both angels and demons, they are simply explorers from another dimension seeking carnal experiences, and they can no longer differentiate between pain and pleasure. When they attempt to force Kirsty to return to their realm with them, she informs Pinhead that Frank has escaped. The Cenobots agree to take Frank back, and in exchange, they say they will consider giving Kirsty his freedom. However, the catch is that Frank has to confess to escaping them. So I think my favorite scene is when Julie is bringing the man in the house, and she takes like five minutes to look around. Like, is anybody watching me? So it appears that Kirstie's in plain sight just watching this happen, but she never sees her. Mm-hmm. She looks left, and she looks right, she but does. she doesn't look straight ahead. <laughs> And that fatal mistake number it. one yeah that just shows how little regard she has for her stepdaughter she's just part of the scenery yeah, she's like i don't want to see that <laughs> she looks see, like a shrub no no she that. actually she, saw her she just didn't give a shit well although with her with her hair so big maybe she did she was like it's just another bush okay kirstie's hair was awesome let's just not even go there that was fabulous 80s hair what do you think because julia roberts had the same hair and flatliners and you were like that's a no-go mostly because of her face but i was curious if the hair had anything to do with it mm. well i will say that i thought kirstie wore the hair better okay better than julia roberts curly hair yeah i mean i thought kirstie had the face for it <laughs> ouch I mean, that's like pretty woman hair I mean, it's whatever. It's 80s hair. I mean, you go to almost any 80s movie, you see that big, crazy hair and all that stuff. I mean, I was disappointed know. to see her hair later and it was pretty straight. And I was like, oh, it's totally like an 80s perm. You uh, know? Yeah. I'm like, which makes sense. It totally does. But like for all of us women with the lovely wavy locks, like we feel some representation when you see that on hair <laughs> in the 80s because it's never happened again since. <laughs> I mean, let's just put it this way. It was much better than Julia's like mullet extensions in her you know, flashback scenes with Frank where they're like, we need to make her hair a little longer in the back. And they put the, these like extensions in the back. It was bad. Oh, yes. Character Julia, not Julia Roberts. Right. That got me really confused. It's like, oh, yeah. Not Julia, Julia yeah, Roberts. Not Julia Roberts. Weird. I know. I was like, oh, yes, the mullet like, in look, this movie. Oh, no, you're talking about this movie. In, in my mind, she always has a mullet. <laughs> this Julia? No, Roberts. Julia Roberts. Ah. Boom. Oh, poor Julia. Nah, Julia Roberts is cool. She's fine. We love you, Julia. So Kirsty gets the box. She ends up in the hospital, and even the hospital's weird to me. Like, mm-hmm. they have her locked in the room, 
and they're going to get the police, I guess, or something, right? What are they like, going to get? Was it a psychiatric the whole ward? thing? Yeah, the whole thing was strange. Was it like a military? Um, yeah. Right. I it, agree. And then she, like, decides to solve the puzzle box, which I'm like, okay, I guess you're bored or whatever. Or right. you're curious. I don't know what it is. Yeah, we've had memory loss, and apparently I'm being accused of stealing this trinket, and so the cops need to speak to me. Speak to me. So, yeah, let me just pick it up and start playing with it. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm being accused of stealing something I have no memory of because I just had temporary memory loss, I'm not touching that thing because they think that I stole it in the first place. But why did they still have it with her is what I didn't understand. They were like, this will jog your memory, remember? Oh, right, 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 right. Maybe Uh, this will jog your memory. (laughs) Thanks, doctor. Aren't you a doctor? Is that really how this works? Okay. Sure. (laughs) I'll leave you to it. (laughs) Also, Wait, hey, I will say this. Hey, out of all the movies, I do not think these doctors were the best actors. Oh my in the god, movie. I was so, just gonna there say we go. that. Bam, I, was I knew you were just gonna say that. I know. Thirty seconds on screen and not your favorite character. No, definitely oh. not. No, I th- it might be the engineer <laughs> guy. He might be my favorite actor. I don't know. I mean, th- that creature was pretty cool. I mean, it opens up this like portal and she starts walking into their realm, and all of a sudden, this crazy ass things like, it's like a know, along, along the walls. Like, yeah, rah, 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 rah. his little arms in the back. I mean, oh, I, crazy. I thought it was well designed. Oh god, I was going to talk about that because that I thought that was the worst. I thought you could see the rig behind it in like almost every single shot it was in. You could see the <laughs> wheels and like. Yeah. Really? suspension behind it yeah no, i didn't think i this didn't think thing, so like but... cruising down the hallway no it was i mean worst. i thought it was a person i thought oh, it was a person was wearing like a thing going down the hallway and, yeah like... i thought it was a person with the arms in the back so the arms in the back were kind of pushing them along yeah so they might have been on wheels but that yeah, maybe it arm totally thing. i mean could have been somebody in the costume for sure but there was literally like a rig of suspension holding the thing up behind it which makes sense right right but it was literally like a Muppet on wheels. Let's be you clear. You need a lower depth TV like I have. You <laughs> miss all of this stuff. <laughs> and you know I what? didn't see the nip. I never pick up. I know. I missed didn't the nip. The no, but I think I did see the nip now that I'm thinking about it. I think I just blocked it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, hers I, was not I, a nip. I, I was really dying to see. I, no. I tried to block it out. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was giving you nightmares. That's Your impact's going to be high on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Tra- all the nip. Traumatized. So you see a little bit of the Cenobites world. She goes back into the room to escape the engineer. And then the other guys show up. Pinhead shows up, gives his kind of, you know, monologue on who they are and what they are. And then what I think is interesting about this movie is that it's like this strange three-part plot where it's like you have Frank and his deal. Then all of a sudden, Kirstie's introduced really as like the main character almost in the third act. She's brought in as like the heroine, I guess. And then she sells Frank out to the Cenobites to save her own ass, which I think is an amazing sort of weird plot considering how linear like Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason are, right? Yeah, I I thought the exact same thing. I have in my notes, Kirstie, protagonist? (laughs) Question mark? Like, oh, maybe I just missed that uh, to begin with. And then, yes, I, I was like... Should we be giving her credit that she thought of coming up with that deal? Like, oh, wait, wait, wait. By the way, my Uncle Frank is like a creepy half person up in my attic back at home. <laughs> he escaped you. I was like, I, I guess we should give her credit because it wouldn't have even occurred to me to think that he, quote unquote, escaped them because there's nothing to give her that context. Right? Right. Well, I don't know if Frank said something to her while they're like messing with the box. I don't remember. Anyway. But anyway, she, that's what she sells them on. Like, hey, I'll go get Frank, mm-hmm. and uh, you guys can have him and not me. 
I feel like it makes sense to me because in the beginning, the Asian gentleman gives him the box and then he goes, oh, you know, he pays for it. Frank leaves. And then he goes, well, it was always yours anyway. So I felt like it was a destiny thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, she didn't really choose any of this. So, like, was it really her destiny or was she just, she just happened to fall on it and then therefore that's why she gets away because she is able to sell Frank out? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you could do the whole destiny play to your point of, like, everything that happened was meant to happen so it doesn't matter type of thing. But I, I did feel like it was a little – like, for her character, a bit too much of a stretch for me to put all those pieces together. Right. She wasn't the brightest crown in the box. Yeah, I mean, I well, wouldn't call she her dumb. Herself. I mean, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't call her dumb. We just don't have enough information she about just her. She young. Yeah. You know? Yes. Like, less experienced. And again, she just didn't have full context of what was going on. Well, she freaking pulled it together quick and was like, I ain't fucking with these guys. Survival. Hey. She's been yeah. hanging out no, with Anne. Look, look, look. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> you see a bunch of crazy extra dimensional people, right, with crazy wounds and facial craziness, and you just came from a dude who's missing his skin. Two and two. two and Guy two. with the skin, crazy people. They're probably connected. But JJ Throat, not doing that. No, exactly. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> Kirsty returns home where Frank has killed Larry and has taken his identity by stealing his skin. Julia shows her what is purported to be Frank's filleted corpse in the attic, locking the door behind her. The Cenobites appear and, not fooled by the deception, demand the man who did this. Kirsty tries to escape, but is held by Julia and Frank. Frank reveals his true identity to Kirsty, and when his sexual advances are rejected, he decides to kill her and complete his rejuvenation. He accidentally stabs Julia instead and drinks her blood without remorse. Frank chases Kirsty to the attic, and when he is about to kill her, the Cenobites appear after hearing him confess to killing her father. Now sure that he is the one they are looking for, they ensnare him with chains and tear him to pieces. With Frank out of the picture, the Cenobites renege on their deal and attempt to abduct Kirsty. Ripping the puzzle box from Julia's dead hands, Kirsty banishes the Cenobites by reversing the motions needed to open the puzzle box. Kirsty's boyfriend shows up and helps her escape the collapsing house. Afterwards, Kirsty throws the puzzle box onto a burning pyre. A vagrant who has been stalking Kirsty walks into the fire and retrieves the po- box before transforming into a winged creature and flying away. The box ends up in the hands of the merchant who sold it to Frank, offering it to another prospective customer. So part of this that doesn't make any sense to me is this stealing of the skin. Because... Frank is supposed to be, like, absorbing and reconstituting himself via these bodies. But at the last moment, he decides he needs new skin, and he's not going to just use Larry to regenerate his skin. He's going to, like, fillet him and put it on somehow. No, it's, it's part of the ruse. Okay, yeah. at first I did not like it at all because I thought the same thing. I'm like, this is not the M.O. This isn't what you're there to do. And also, you're sexy Frank. Why would you want to be your dopey brother, mm-hmm. right? So, but then you're like, they had just had that conversation, remember, when she's like, what are we going to do? Just walk out of here? And I was like, ah, that like probably triggered the whole like, I've got to disguise myself and Kirstie's going to come poking around. So better to try to pretend that I'm my brother and just sort of take on his life and then we can move on. This big assumption here is that skin's going to fit. In any way that actually makes sense. I know that that's ridiculous to even talk about, but still. Skin stretches, baby. I guess, but Larry looked like he had a bigger jaw than he did last time I saw him. But we all know that the unifying theme is that Frank is wet and his scalp was definitely, apparently, like, wet with the blood and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't look like he didn't have everything all together. But he fooled his daughter. I guess. (laughs) Whatever. His niece. Daughter niece. Yeah, well, then it's like daddy's little girl and the whole trying to have sex with his niece. Oh, and the other thing is just real quick. Like, his whole referring to himself is is weird. 
like brother frank i'm brother frank and you're like brother <laughs> frank what's weird shit <laughs> i don't know that didn't bother me it bothered me um i like that he went to stab kiersey and julia bit it and then he was just like laying on let me just suck the life out of you like i part of me was like did he mean to miss? Like, there was yes. no step in that beat, right? right? Yeah, I felt like it was kind of unclear whether or not he meant to miss. But then if you're going to have sex with somebody because you're a sex addict, who are you going to have yeah, sex with, that, Julia or Kiersey? That's what I thought. I was like, oh, I, he's trading up. I will I will answer that question later in Kill, Chill, and Thrill. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought for sure the same thing. I was like, well, actually, maybe he totally meant. And then that's where I was like, oh, this whole creepy factor that he's going to then want Kiersey as like a sex slave or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year was definitely like, oh, he missed and he meant to, you know, get Kirstie and you're like, did, did he? I figure he just didn't care. He was just like, I'm stabbing and her, her, her. I'm going to drink care. both those bitches. Yeah, yeah. He's yes, like, yeah. I know my mm. sex is so great that this woman's going to kill some shit for me. I'm going to reincarnate <laughs> myself <laughs> and then I can get rid of her and then I can go after my niece because my sex is so great. My member is so amazing. People are going to kill for me. <laughs> it's a love story through and through. Whew. Okay. Jane Austen couldn't have written it any better. <laughs> All right. So the Cenobites show back up and they kill Frank. They take their hooks and they, what do they, hook him up and then they stretch him out and then mm-hmm. he explodes or some shit, right? Like they pull him apart. Yeah, I loved it. I guess. What? Yeah. Not without like a wink and like a tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That was like the final sort of like pleasure part of it. Oh, uh, yeah, know. that tongue. I did write, ew. Oh, my God, that tongue. <laughs> that was like the final like, oh, should we feel bad for this guy? No, he really is a dick. Yeah, no, absolutely. And a pedophile. <laughs> well, I mean, she's an I adult. I assume but she's 21. I assume she's an adult. But, okay. Or 18. And a predator. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know what the legal drinking age is in yeah. England. Yeah. He's, he's the bastard. Yeah. Well, we're not like technically in England, right? I don't know. I don't know. The point is. <laughs> Very true. But then I like how the Cenobites just come back and they're like, you know what? Eh, we're going to get Kirsty too because, fuck it, she opened the box. So, you know, you get what you get. Right. And they go after her and then she she does like – and the funny thing is I think that you know, when she does that like circling the, the box thing to mm-hmm. like – there's some weird like – did he pick up some weird sensual like – like you no. gotta be, you got a little, a little sexy with the box to like circle it with your finger, like make it go back. I, I don't know. Well, I thought that the first time when Frank did it, it that was sensual well, it was, as well. It, I think the first person who did it was Pinhead. He closes the box. By the way, his fingers have no makeup on them. You can see the makeup starts, the white makeup starts oh, halfway really? on his hands. He's the first one that does it because he closes the box and the room goes back to normal after Frank gets killed. Like Frank doesn't close the box no, back Frank up. Frank opens it. Yeah, he no, he the... yeah no, he opens it. Yeah, by pushing it. I meant when no, clo- he does that in the candle square. The closing it is. Mm. No, I don't know the reverse. I, I don't know. But when Pinhead does it, I definitely think it's like. Well, maybe you blocked out the sensuous well, I don't know. I don't Frank, know Frank circling yeah, as I don't well. Know Frank, yeah, but yeah, there is definitely some sort of like nipple caressing action happening oh, there. I see. I don't know it's if it's areola. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's nipple caressing. It's more like the rim of the circle. He's. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. You're welcome. Um, so I I don't know if I want to change to a more serious topic, but no, I do did it. have a few fun facts. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not about gonna go there. Not gonna go there. Um, so someone <laughs> I get it now. Um, someone had the job of maggot and cockroach wrangler because oh. England had a law at the time. I don't know if it's still in existence, but you couldn't have cockroaches of 
different sexes intermingling because they were afraid of infestation. Jesus. Yeah. So somebody had to go through, make sure that they were all male. Who's sexing the roaches? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Maybe in the credits there's a roach sexer. I bet there is. And um, so you put them in the fridge to slow them down so you can determine their sexes. Oh, like most animals? <laughs> <laughs> and then one last Ew. little thing is that Clive Barker prefers Hell Priest to Pinhead because he thought Pinhead was undignified, but we all know him as Pinhead. All know and love. Is Hell Priest the alternative name? It's no, supposed that, to be the name. That's his official title. That's his Hell title. You know what I mean? Pinhead's the, what his friends call him. The Hell Priest? Yeah, the Hell Priest. It's like you know his like, it's yeah, just nickname, so I guess. Generic. It should be like Father Pinhead or something then. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Should be something more efficient. But I just thought those were just, fun, especially yeah. the bug part, because it's like, who the hell signed up for that job? Yeah, that's crazy, and and so many maggots. There were so many maggots. So many maggots. Ugh. Like, and she didn't scream when they fell on her. I I don't know how she did that. There were so many scenes where they were trying to like not scream, where I was just like, "There's no way." I There's might not have no screamed. Way. I might have been too busy throwing up. There was both. Just yeah. scream vomit. <laughs> scream vomit. <laughs> Scrum it. <laughs> So do you have ladies have anything else before we wrap this review up? I have one more thing. I don't know. Scream vomit is kind of a high note. Yeah. I mean, I have one more thing, which is I think the goofiest part of this movie is at the very end when uh, when Kirsty is fighting the engineer for the box. It's on the ground and she's like trying to get it oh, and for yeah. like three solid minutes. You know, these puppet hands are like knocking the box <laughs> around and she's like I trying know. to get it. And I'm like, what is this stuff? And the boyfriend's just sitting there like a dope. Also, he's not the boyfriend. Jesus Christ, she just met him. Like, calm down calling him the boyfriend. I mean, and he all was that. shoving his tongue down his throat. I know. Yeah, but they just and met at this dinner party two, two nights ago. That's it's boy, a, he's it's, a one night stand. It's boyfriend enough. All right, whatever. He showed up. He showed up to the crazy ass house with the centerpiece and didn't ask any questions. Okay, yeah, Muppet hands were ridiculous, but really, you're not going to go for the giant freaking dragon that shows up at the yeah, end. Of the- yeah, yeah, what, what the, the fuck was that? <laughs> totally agree. Ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I, I like the creepy dude coming yeah, back. I was like, okay, cool. Point? And no. he's just a cockroach maggot eating. Homeless man. No, apparently Cricket he was eating. a Skeletor dragon that yeah, flies I mean, off into... Totally makes yeah. sense now I was eating bugs. Uh, but at the time, you're like, what the hell? No, I mean, the whole thing was so ridiculous. I felt like the whole movie lost a couple of points right, right there with well, alone. I kind of feel like, and I don't know, I haven't seen the sequels in a long time, but I feel like the bookends of this movie, they just like forget about that whole thing. Like the Asian guy with the box and like the dragon dude who takes the box back to the Asian guy. Like I feel like that's just like, oh, they really? just don't, I feel like that's not referenced anymore. I don't, maybe that's not true. I haven't seen the sequels in a long time, but I feel like they're like, you know, what, let's forget about those guys. Let's just talk about Pinhead and how cool Pinhead is for the rest of the time. The whole house falling down thing. Oh, you didn't just like that? Like, let's just shake some drywall on you and... <laughs> Have some lumber fall down. I didn't okay, <laughs> don't wh- understand what the point was. One more thing before we move on. I feel like 80% of this movie was filmed in that stairwell. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like every yeah. other scene was them going up or down those stairs yeah. in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, they maximized and, that and vertical sort of space, but still. Definitely. And the black mold room. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the black it. mold room. Those yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. I was like 90% of the movie was in those two spaces. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, with that, We're going to start with the kill, chill, and thrill. So for kill, you get rid of anybody that you absolutely can't stand in the movie. For chill, you get to hang out with anybody you thought was cool in the movie. And thrill, you get to have some crazy sex with whoever you want in the movie. So 
<laughs> I'm going to go with Anne because I feel like the ladies are easier for Ray this time to pick from because at least there's two. We definitely had <laughs> some you. better options for sure. <laughs> All right. So I'll jump right into it. For Kill, I'm killing the new gooey Frank. There is nothing good happening there. He's an asshole on a rampage. Yeah, no. We're not doing any more blood sacrifices. He's getting the hammer to the head. For Chill, I went with Kirsty. I felt like she seems pretty cool. Could take her out for a night on the town. I could probably corrupt her a little bit. We'd have some fun. It'd be good times. For Thrill, I chose Young Damp Frank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ray, you're up. Okay, so for Kill, I'm killing Julia. <laughs> killing her no matter what she's wearing. Killing her no matter if she has the mullet or not. She's dead. Not the star earrings, no. Those, those two. Killing those as well. <laughs> chill. I'm going to chill with the Asian guy because he seems like he has an interesting life. Like sit down, drink a little coffee, you know, whatever. Sell a puzzle box to somebody. I think it's mint tea in Morocco. Mm. Is it? Well, mint tea, I'm, I'm there. Talk. Dental I don't know. Hygiene. I could be making that up. I've seen a lot of Jason Bourne shit, though, and I think that takes place in Morocco. Just saying. Okay. Continue. Okay. I could. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. 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 Uh, and as far as thrill, I'm going to go with Kirsty. I mean, she is the protagonist. She's got the, the hot Julia Roberts hair, I guess. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There you go. You know, and I could probably corrupt her a little bit. There we go. Wow. There we go. I'll check a wow, wow. So for Kill, I'm going with the dad because as soon as he said, do you want a cookie, little girl? I was like, you're done. Get out of my life. I never want to see you again. There's something weird going on with your eyeballs. Um, Larry. For, <laughs> for Chill, I I felt like it was limited. Kirsty annoyed me. No offense. I guess if you're just sleeping with her, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I said anyone at the dinner party besides oh, they were Julia cool. or yeah, mm-hmm. anybody in the movie who yeah. was a mean of a person. And they then for so Thrill, cool. it was also Frank before death because there was no lookers. Not a single one. All right. Thank you. Well, now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. First is technical composition, which represents how well the movie is made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third is enjoyment. It's pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to see it again? Our rating scale goes from 1 to 10, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. So, Helen, do you want to give us your scores? Sure. So, for the technical, I gave it a 6. I thought the effects were really good, but I did see some of the slight issues with the acting. I think it was more the voice dubbing now that we have that cleared up. I probably should rate it a little higher, but I'm not going to. Um, For impact, I gave it a 7 because... They, the Cenobites were kind of very creepily done, and I thought they did a really good job with the makeup on that. Um, and the makeup on Frank when he's dead is amazing. And then for enjoyment, I gave it an eight. I love this type of stuff where it's kind of funny but kind of scary at the same time. It just definitely hits home with me. Okay. And? Okay, great. So for tech, I gave this a five. I felt the same. I felt like I wanted to give it much higher for the effects, but then I just felt like there were certain things, like I said, the rig and, you know, other pieces where it fell apart where I just had to take those points off at the end of the day. Um, for impact, I, you know what, I had it as a six, but I'll bump it up to a seven, Helen. I'll, I'll roll with you on that one because the makeup, again, overall was pretty good. Uh, that was pretty impactful. And for enjoyment, I also gave it a seven. 
I wouldn't be rushing out to the local Blockbuster to pull this one off the shelf, but I'd watch it again. It was definitely pretty good. For technical competency, I gave it a five as well. It certainly had good effects, but the acting was just, you know, hit or miss. And the dubbing, you're right, Helen, the dubbing is just like pretty horrible. Uh, and the plot has some, some, I think, some glaring issues. Uh, as far as impact, I gave it a six. You, you got to give Pinhead and the Cenobites the props they deserve. And as far as the enjoyment, I'm going to give it a seven. I did enjoy it. I would watch it again, even though Larry and Julia are like 80% of the movie, and I kind of disliked their characters, uh, the Cenobites and the whole mythology that they start in this movie is excellent and um i was surprised watching it this time versus the first time when i kind of didn't like it how much more the cenobites are in it than i thought like even though they're not in it that much their presence is in it a lot more than i than i had uh, assumed having watched it before okay so it looks like we were all on the same page with this one ray you rated this one a solid six i came in next highest at a 6.33 and Helen, you were at the top of the bank with a solid seven, bringing this movie to a 6.44. That does not put it at the top of the hill. Puts it in the number 12 space of the 21 movies that we have reviewed currently. It's sitting just below The Shining and just above Flatliners. Well, I mean, if it had had a sexy centipede, obviously, would have been not going oh, out. If it had a sexy centipede, it would have been <laughs> a different movie. It's another bug to have a, the a, sex. A, 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 a sexy centibite. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hosts.hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-host, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. 